join, joining the ESBC podcast network for the purpose of the podcast is to make me money. I'm not like Trevor Bauer gets on the Dodgers, doesn't tell the fans that he doesn't want to sign autographs. He is honest about women, right? He says he just wants to have sex. He does not want any type of relationship ever with women. See, he's being honest and forthright, which we don't have uh, with athletes. They say like the owner, Saeed, <laughs> and I've heard some athletes say it. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for the universe. The universe led me here. I'm doing it for the year. No, no, no. You're doing it for the money. That's why you got you signed that free agent contract. And all you girls you're dating, uh, there is no romance without finance. But to that end, we throw in basic mental health, learning your surroundings. A lot of people are getting killed these days, are getting in trouble by the basics of not knowing your surroundings. Now, if you are the smartest, toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. <laughs> So I got two guys here that are tougher, smarter than I am. And we're going to break down people. We're going to give you insight into people. I think right now we have about 150 years of insight into people. We're all alive and we all live in expensive to live Southern California. <laughs> so you're going to learn a lot about people, all right? Well, the I, measure of the man, right? As we talk, horse racing, right true crime. I'm going to jump in real quickly. So yeah. people can, who are listening to this or watching it later on can get a point of reference. There is, as Coach Mike knows, I went to Wake Forest, and there was a Wake Forest board of sports and politics who decided they didn't want me around anymore because I'm too sad, bitter, and unfunny. <laughs> and too serious. Right. And I can give you the rat noses if you want to play poker with them. <laughs> That's funny because Coach Mike and I were having a conversation uh, this week. We're, uh, we were uh, testing. We were discussing who's more cynical. <laughs> and we're, I, hey, he's Rick, like, it's just my citizen. I'm like, you're a citizen. <laughs> so that is Rick. And I always pronounce his last name. It's just pronounced Rick. Rick. This is Kalsruor. That's good enough. <laughs> The greatness, the whiteness of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What are, what are your first words tonight, Rick, to get into the previous? Well, as I was telling you earlier, the, the first piece of memorabilia you should be getting is not from the Preakness nor from Pimlico. They're the, one of the five oldest bars in America is in Baltimore, not too far from the race, from the Preakness. And you oh, need wow. to get a T-shirt or a hat. The name of the, of the bar is And the Horse You Came In On. Ah, that's right. So that's that's the hat or the shirt you should be getting. Nothing about the race because nobody will care about the race. But if you walk into a group of your friends with a shirt that says And the Horse You Came In On, they'll pay attention to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And then we have uh, Mike Prestonisi, smarter, tougher than I have. Known him uh, now 12 years. And man, we, 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 you know, we started building the pieces, you know, putting the, the, the case together. And then we preview Bob Baffert and we say, hey, with what the past that he got from the 
Kentucky Racing Commission. And the more I read about the Kentucky Racing Commission, the more I laugh, right? Because truth is always stranger than fiction, right? One of the tenets of the podcast. And the this week, for a, a, around $6 million, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission commissioned a new testing lab because the other testing lab wasn't up to their standards. But they're banning Bob Baffert <laughs> from racing at Churchill Downs based on the on the lab they fired. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna try to make sense of that because again, we had people on the boards. People were uh I was talking to Rick today. He was like, Well, you know, gay Republican. We had the top gay Republican. Yeah. In California, probably the country, right? Carl oh. DeMille here. So it's these board members, uh, Desmond, right? And we went through the dynamics of it. The Arkansas uh, Racing Commission, right? The Louisiana Racing Commission. The CRB whatever here in California. Well, you know All these guys can be bought, America? right? Was, <laughs> two years ago, you know who was the deputy of the California Horse Racing Board? Bro Derek. <laughs> Bo Derrick. Oh, that's right. For years, it was John Forsythe. Right. And Bo Derrick is complaining that she's not getting any roles because she's a conservative in Hollywood. No, you're not getting any roles because you're 40 years over the hill. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably more accurate, right? Right. So uh, first words tonight about uh, everything, really, which gives us the truth is more stranger than fiction. And we'll get into the two excuses. You guys let me know. Measure the man. Art Sherman's excuse and uh, Bob Baffert's excuse. Well, I have to say one thing, Josh. Anytime you say to me, Coach Mike, we're going to have a non-traceable PED for our horses. (laughs) I say a non-traceable performance-enhancing drug. Why does it have to be non-traceable? Well, we, we just want to make the drug pure to help the horse with arthritis and joints and running and so on. Okay, I may look stupid, and most people may think I am stupid, but I, I was born at night, but not last night. Right. That's a little hard for me to swallow. So, then, you know, Rick, we talked about this. You start following the money, and you look at, for example, the Stronich family who owns the tracks, they own the betting software. Right. They own horses. They own the pharmacies. Rick, it's called win-win-win-win. There's no way you lose. Right. Well, they, they can lose if they ha- if they can find out that horses are being drugged. They will lose a lot if that's a trick. I mean, it's more likely that mm. Art might have known something, but given the fact that it was his kick it out, I don't think he knew much. But with Baffert, I mean, Baffert I mean, they're making a big deal. The Baffert's not going to be there for the Preakness. It's no deal whatsoever. Right. He has, he has, he has a grade one races all over the world that his horses are in that he sends his assistant, Jimmy Barnes, to all the time. And the idea that an ointment was put on that they weren't sure how long it would last, that's plausible. But the thing is, when you get to this level, like, as I told Josh earlier in the week, it's more likely that you will have a, a breakdown, a, a, a fixed race or a juiced horse at a cheap track than at a big track. And mm-hmm. more than at a, like a $10,000 claimer than at a triple crown race. 
because there's too much money involved in that horse. And with the science that we have, we can, we can um, figure out what the problem is. Hold on one quick second. Yeah. So the Kentucky Derby had a handle of, when you talk about money, $233 million, right? And we talked about maximum security, $12,000 horse sold for $35 million, right? So there's a lot of money to be had all the way down the line and Baffert knows it backwards and forwards, but this is horse racing true crime. So when you get into true crime, people kill for about three reasons, right? Uh, low, you know, passion, uh, they got to screw loose, right? Anger issues, frontal lobe issues, unresolved trauma and money, right? So Bafford uh, being divorced a few times now, having a kid, it's a money pressure. And there's something that happened, right? We had all these horses being killed, right? And then the friends of, uh, well, the Stronich family uh, befriends the Clinton Foundation, the family, and suddenly their friends who owned a pharmaceutical conglomerate end up dead. <laughs> One of only seven murders in Toronto, and two of them are billionaires. <laughs> now, we're not saying that the Stronich family killed them, but... We all know, unfortunately, we read in the paper, black people who have uh, been convicted on less circumstantial evidence than that. So we look at measure of the man, Stan, when I was uh, in college, right in college at the end, I had a job and Stan, something went down. He's like, Josh, you got to learn the measure of the man. So I'm going to profile Art Sherman, right? And I'm going to read his excuse and I'll let you guys comment on it, right? Now, who is R. Sherman? And I love the profiles we're doing of, of people, right? People like biographies. We do it real quick. He's a horse trainer, born in Brooklyn, New York, 1937. Hmm. Started out as a jockey. He won a lot of races as a jockey. And he was a stable uh, hand for Rex Ellsworth and Mish Attorney. While working on Ellsworth's farm, he was the exercise rider for the 1955 Kentucky Derby winner swaps. In the 1956 Kentucky Derby entrant, tear rack, tear rack. 1957, Sherman became a licensed jockey, credited with uh, 2,100 wins. Now, after being a jockey, a lot of jockeys end up hitting the bottle a lot. So he hit the bottle a lot. He did meet a wonderful woman that was, and I say it was a wonderful woman because he calls him, right? He saved his life out of being a drunk, right? And it wasn't homeless if it wasn't for this lady. And they end up, they, they fall on their hands on, the, on his, his brain is half fried at this point. Yeah. And he's living in a trailer in Fresno, right? <laughs> Which is the middle of nowhere, redneck land, Fresno. Otherwise known as Fresnac, right? Jim Rose is called Fresnac. Fresnac right? And in 2003, he is hired to train California Chrome. And out of nowhere, with old school 1955 training techniques, he uh, gets the horse right on the verge of the Kentucky Derby. At that point, uh, the horse is taken over by the people and they have him in the stands. And what I remember about him, it was this great story. His brain is fried. 
They barely talk. The other, you know, the other wife, they're living in a trailer in Fresno. He's getting an injection of money because I think they were almost going to evict him from the from the trailer. He gets an injection of money now with this miracle horse. And to me, it's almost like uh, when somebody wins the lottery, now they think they're, uh, you know, it's almost like what they say, uh, uh, born on third base, they think they hit a triple. Yeah, right. right. Because what happened is the, the California Crown wins the Kentucky Derby, wins the Preakness, loses at uh, Belmont, the, you know, uh, the last link to the triple crowd. And when the girl comes to the interview, he's drunk and he starts cursing. <laughs> they have to turn the camera off. <laughs> It's not like, hey, aren't you happy you're out of the trailer now? You have a few bucks, you know, this and that. So fast forward, and let me read the story, and I'll, I'll let you guys comment. Yeah. Right? So that was in 2013. Gets his life kind of back together. And we're talking about the Stronish family, right? Friends of, we're talking about Austria. They're friends of George Soros, of Belinda Stronish. We got in a fight with her dad. He was an MP in the Canadian legislature. Mm-hmm. The Strode family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this article is March 31st, 2021. Trainer Art Sherman has been fined $1,500, hence begun serving a 15-day suspension. What is a 15-day suspension? <laughs> Would you go on vacation for two weeks? All right, issued by the California Stewards. That's right, our friends the California Stewards, both Eric. <laughs> After the starts, their horsey trains parmed their auto tested positive for pro- prohibited presence of a metabolite of an antihistamine in a victory at Los Alamitos race course. Now, who owns Los Alamitos, Coach Mike? On the Stronich family. Hell, my far friend, the Stronich family. Post-race results, hopefully from a better lab than uh, the one that just got fired at Churchill well, Downs, Kentucky, right. indicated that uh, this 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 apolamine or something a metabolite it's a primalamine a drug classified as class three penalty class b according to the association of racing commissioner and international stewards drugs in class three have a potential to affect performance but not to the extent of class one and class two now class one or class two would be the peds you were talking about there are non-traceable PD, like the people in the Olympics, the Russians, the Chinese, other athletes are have non-traceable PDs as tested in past Olympics. And they catch up with them, but they always say they're three or four years ahead. Uh, high-end athletes with non-traceable PD, that the people that ended up dead, we're not saying the Stronish family killed them. <laughs> they just buy them and they just happen to have a pharmaceutical conglomerate, and that's what they manufacture. They manufacture PDs. They're not traceable. So Sherman said April 1st that he believes the test results are from a contamination caused by one of his employees, right? What are we doing again? We're shifting blame, right? We're not owning up to anything, right? The contamination caused by one of his employees taking over-the-counter cold medicine and coming into contact with ponder odor and cuffed the cost in the horse's face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think? Well, 
Go ahead, Mike, if you want to say something. I have, well, I'll, I'll have something to say about it when okay. you're done. It's just interesting, Josh, and Rick, you have been down this road a long time. We've talked for a long time about the motivation, why somebody who loves horses, and we say this with all sincerity, people that love horses, love horses. They're equestrian, they're equine-oriented, they love horses. How can you go from loving a horse to saying, well, I'm just going to give it a drug to enhance its performance. It may kill it, but, you know, that's really, that would just be collateral damage. Stop, stop. Somebody's not telling the truth here. And I think the people that get, they get tempted by too much money or too much fame. I mean, Art Sherman was, what, 77, 78 years old. Now he's probably, what, 85, 87? 83. 88? I mean, son, your time has passed, okay? Your day in the sun passed a long time ago. Give it up. Go live in that trailer park in Fresno or in Cool it. Quit. Stop. Right. Yeah, but he was in financial distress. They put this a little bit into perspective. A tier three drug, if that's what he got busted with, is slightly more than giving somebody an aspirin. It's not much more than that. It's not going to kill anybody. It's probably not going to affect the horse. And to be honest with you, a 15-day suspension for that, it means he pissed somebody off. Right. Because you don't get 15 days for a Class C. You may lose your purse, but you don't get 15. If you get three days, that would be a lot. Yeah. And uh, the concept yeah. of the, the Stronics have have the golden have the gold have the golden goose the golden goose's cousin the golden goose's <laughs> uncle the golden goose's nephew and forty seven grandchildren of the golden goose. <laughs> they ain't doing nothing that's going to get them in trouble. They've got too many billions involved, and the few pennies aren't going to make any difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just it that's it, true because they're going to have countries. You know, Stronic is so big. That when they come after him, it's going to be countries coming after him, yeah. Yeah. not just raising commissions. Mm. And you know, in my life, I, I had a, at one point the IRS and FBI were after a friend of mine that I didn't know. And as former Senator Paul Laxalt told me, <laughs> he goes, "If it was just the FBI, I'd have no problem." But the IRS is above the law and will be around a lot longer than either one of us. <laughs> For your your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and everybody else. And, you know, I just don't see conspiracies in that kind of thing. The, as I was telling Josh earlier, a lot, there's a lot of things I'm more worried about. In, in a lot of the drugging issues, I would not put by um, outside influences because it's worth too much money. I mean, Baffert well, that's the purpose of it, right? It, it's to increase the value of the horse. Of dying the spirit. Right. It's not 150k less his expenses for winning the Derby. Ain't it's it's not even tip money. Right. So, so you know the big, as I said before, the bigger the race is, the bigger the the bigger the uh, trainer is, the less chances of fixed race, less time the. But the thing is, what happened? But, but it, it, it's, a, it's for a purpose, right? Because you ask yourself, why did Buffer do it? He did, he did it. it for the money, right? Because if now Medina Spirit is worth, again, another $12,000 horse. Medina no, Spirit no, was a $12,000 horse. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, one quick second. Give me one second. Yeah. Actually, because the, the, um, 
He was a $35,000. Okay. Oh my God. He was born in Ocala. Ocala, Florida races. <laughs> again, Mary County again. Yeah, uh, it comes up again. And remember, we talked about the bad boys farm in Ocala, California. to buy racehorses. Right. Now, let me ask you a question, Coach. Number one, Dalmar is probably number two. Right. And, right. Like Saratoga is probably number three. Right. Who. Who are the two people we know we discuss on the podcast? <laughs> They're on horse farms in Ocala, Florida. <laughs> well, I'm, you. Being of Italian descent, I'm I don't want to say Italian names because they could be family. So <laughs> <laughs> well, the Gambino, the Gambino and Stronich family. The Gambino family from New York. Bad Boys Farm, Ocala, Florida. And, and of course, the home of Jason Service. And Jorge Navarro in the Stronish family, also in a horse family in Ocala, Florida. You know, Jason Service cheating makes a lot more sense than Bob Baffert cheating or Todd Pletcher or Chad Brown or Asmussen because he needs the money. And the thing, another he, thing he is, needed the money. It got to a point where um, after he had. Uh, after Smiley Jason Taylor. Service had, yeah, I think his wife was talking about it because now it's gone, right? He had uh, $2 million liquid, right? He came from nowhere and now he has $2 million liquid. Stop cheating. Stop hanging out with George Navarro, all right? <laughs> Stop hanging around with the bad kids in the neighborhood. It's time to maybe uh, head out of Dodge Let's put it before this going to Saudi Arabia. Hanging out with the Gotti boys, it wasn't his choice about whether he started. <laughs> like, no, it wasn't his choice. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And right. the thing is, that something else you have to think about, these the bigger the bigger groups, the Bafferts, the Asmussens, the Browns, the, you know, all these other guys, Pletcher, the, the few people who are really big, they have dozens and dozens of people working for them. Right. Okay. Let me stop you there. Let me no give you a hard stop. Let me give you a hard, hard stop. Sometimes. Yeah. Let me give you a hard stop because that's a good point. They have 30 people, you know, a lot of people working for them, right? So let me preface this. We heard Art's excuse. So Bob Baffert, right? And we, we profiled him. He has, Rick, like Rick just said, has a ton of people working for him. He's had, uh, in the last, right at the time all these horses started dying, Baffert had 30 tests of different horses, uh, test 30, right? Now, Baffert's excuse has been up to this point and he didn't know nothing about it. It was all these people working for. It was like this guy. He coughed in the horse's face. That's yeah. how he got it. You can't get the level of drugs, whatever class it is, in the horse's body just by coughing, right? So whatever. Now, as far as Baffert's concerned, his excuse this time was, now, I, in the last podcast, I detailed what the drug did, does. And I think it gets to the heart of... Uh, at one point, they did care about the horses, but now we're getting to the point where uh, raising the value of the horse is more important than the actual health of the horse. Because the actual drug, what it does is it tricks the horse's brain into doing more, right? So when you get to a certain point where I start doing push-ups and I get to half of what I used to do and I go again and I start feeling pain, right? I stop. The drug that uh, Medina Spirit had or has in his body doesn't stop he doesn't feel the soreness or anything it keeps going that's why they give it to the horse right yeah. so the excuse this time and we'll go coach michael and then we'll go rick the excuse this time was that the 
horse ate. Well, the, the story changed, right? And this goes back to what Coach Mike and I say. Yeah, Bradford has a lot of people working for him, but he needs a new PR. <laughs> he needs to hire Kellyanne Conway or something like that to come up with better spin stories because it's changed, right? It went to he didn't know anything about it to that the horse didn't have it in his body to the last one that somehow the drugs got in the hay and the horse ate the hay and got that level of that drug in his body. What's that? What do you think, Coach Mike? You know, I think we said it earlier, and Rick, you'll appreciate this. Truth is stranger than fiction. <laughs> and I, I try not to laugh too hard. Let myself. <laughs> I mean, honestly, God, how do these guys keep a straight face and talk to the media or talk to people? I right. mean, you, the three of us, would be sitting there shaking our head, going, "You're going to go with that one? That's the one you're going to choose? The horse ate the hay? What did we just start yesterday? Horses always eat hay and clover." So for Bradford <laughs> to say that, it basically, in my humble opinion, makes him look stupid. Right. This is not a smart way to posture yourself. Now, if he would have said, you know, there's been a lot of things happening in farming lately and COVID-19, if he would have thrown some of those words in there, at least it's swallowable, if that's even right. a word. But to say that the horse ate the hay and someone got in the hay and the horse ingested it and then he won – Guys, we, come on. We're not nine, okay? I'm sorry. I've got... And the horse comes from Ocala, Florida, from, from the Strodage. The home of gang. <laughs> Italian guys, come on. I mean, it's like... And, and the horse now it goes from $35,000 to how much is this horse going to be worth now? Then it, it it's won the Kentucky Derby, Rick. Okay, first of all, Hold on, I gotta look out my window. I thought I saw a black helicopter. <laughs> and the guy out across the street's got a tinfoil hat on. Um, his his new the thing that Baffert has been sticking with most of this week is actually something. It wasn't for actually the eating the hay is the most sensible thing that you can possibly <laughs> say because so many people have access to 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 the row, shed row right. that people can throw things in. But actually, his real thing is that it was in an ointment that they rubbed on the horse. <laughs> that, but that's story number four. That's his problem. That's actually the story he's been sticking with. And that actually makes sense. And, you know, he had 25 picograms, okay? You know how much a picogram is? Well, remember, remember, Rick. This, hey, he got tested. Is 10 to the 15th power. With a one and a slash, those like one with a slash at tenth is one tenth. Now we're going one slash ten to the fifteenth power, which is more than a quadrillion. Right, but remember, that remember what, this, 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 this is the, the that unit twenty five of that unit. We would need a supercomputer just to know that that amount exists. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, right? It's it it, it, it got tested by a, a lab who's right. been fired. Yeah, so I we mean, don't know what went on in the lab. That, so now Baffer's paying for a lab, right? So now we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. We're gonna it's just, it's, it's like the battle of uh, on a big I mean, trial, right? The battle of the expert witnesses. Who, what, what expert witness is telling the truth? The one I paid for. <laughs> it, it's, it's always funny when I'm in a negotiation with a bunch of rich people and we're going to mediation, and uh, yeah. you know. 
I have it all set and the rich guy's like, um, I'm looking here on my invoice and we're paying for the expert. Yeah, we're paying for the expert. So why are we paying for the expert? So he says things in your benefit. Because you have a lot of money. <laughs> we want to win this many <laughs> Well, I was helped along those lines. I was helping a buddy of mine who's a lawyer. He's also a uh, what they call a discovery judge for the court. Right. And like yeah. what happens when you start a case, you get each side gets discovery, find out information from the other side. Right. And this guy was supposedly had the right for TIAC for a certain amount of states. And TX stiffed them because they gave some, they sold a whole bunch of stuff. Right. And he goes, well, I want to know where your sales were in this segment of the, of the country. Well, a couple of days later, an 18 wheeler shows up in our office with more boxes than I've ever seen in my life. And I opened the first box and it wasn't from a state that we had anything to do with. And it was on microfiche. <laughs> and I believe I was nine the last time anybody used microfiche. Yeah. Right. And there must have been 10 million pieces of paper in there. So I just walked upstairs and I go, you know, the cost for discovery is $450 an hour. You have 10 million pieces of things on a on microfiche. If you want me to if you want me to look at this, you'll need to deposit three million dollars in our escrow account because that's about how much time it's going to take. Yes. It's funny how the next day we got three boxes. Yeah. The three box, the only three boxes we needed, we got, and they weren't on microfiche anymore. They're all printed out. What a shock. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But you know, um, just to your point a minute ago, Rick, about this picogram, I mean, you're talking about some pretty infinitesimal measurements, aren't you? Right. I mean, I, th that's why these are basically, they're non-traceable. How, how would you know, how would anybody, unless you have like insider information like you do and others, how are you going to figure this stuff out? And it's just amazing when you hear these terms, you go, picogram? Picogram. Is that like a No. The it's bigger the race, the less chance it's fixed. <laughs> yeah. That, because, like, like Josh was saying, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, maximum security worth $35 million. Yeah. yeah. You're not taking no chances when you have, if you think you have a real chance to make $35 million. Yeah. You know, I, if you, have a you know exactly what you're doing. Kirby, might you just give him a little juice? Maybe. But if you think your horse has any chance, mm -mm. yeah. Well, it, it, it's because there are experts in it, right? So when things shifted, when Bashford got all these dirty horses, right? It, 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 it shifted in the level of expertise of what Coach Mike was saying of the veterinarians. So you got a veterinarian out there that's like the Russian uh, or the uh, Iranian nuclear bomb guy who uh, the Mossad came in with 11 guys and took them out in, um, I guess it was... Uh, poetic the way they did it because it was 11 guys from the Mossad came in and 11 minutes killed like a hundred of the uh, Iranian Royal Guard protecting him It killed him and then got back to Israel, right? <laughs> it, it, it was very strategic. So you have veterinarians over there that know exactly what to put in the horse. It kind of popped them from a $12,000 horse to 35 million. So Answer my question, and then we'll go to the Preakness, uh, Rick. Okay. How much is Medina Spirit worth now that it's going to Kentucky? Can't tell you. Because of the threat over what's overlooking him, 
we can't tell, but I'd say if he's cleared from it and has a it wins a couple more tier uh, grade one races, he's probably going to be worth ten million. If he if he um hold on let me, let me check check his because maximum security only won two uh, two out of the three of the triple crown, right? Um, and it went for thirty five yeah, million. Maximum security is a lot better bred than this horse. <laughs> Although when you're talking, you brought up Jason's service. Uh, there's an odd thing about um, Smarty Jones. Right. In Smarty Jones's um, family tree, there's eight Kentucky Derby winners. Got it. But there are no Kentucky Derby winners that were followed by the Kentucky Derby winner. It always skipped one or two generations. It was really, I mean, we're going all the way back to like Man of War. Hmm. I mean, it was like over the last 60 years that that family tree has eight Kentucky Derby winners, but none of the Kentucky Derby winners sired another Kentucky Derby winner. Mm. Mm. So you got to like, if if somebody wanted to, make, if somebody had a few bucks to invest and take a chance on losing, I would start going. I would look for whoever Smarty Jones's best followers, uh, uh, best cult that he sired. Okay. And then have get get a couple of good um, mares and have him breed to them, because yeah. that's where you're going to probably find a really good horse. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bad investment. Thirty thousand dollars in uh, Medina Spirit announced ten million. But that ha- Wall mean, Street beats. It, I mean, how how many people would have thought that um, the Greek Freak was going to be uh, a billion dollar guy. Right. That's the thing about sports. You never know. I mean, you never know a, a couple of the songs, like from the sound of Philadelphia, you know, Gamble and Huff and all those Kenny, um, you know, uh, Kenny Pendergrass and all those people. Mm, there were right. several songs, I'm not going to tell you which ones, that were basically on the throwout list. Were, the masters were about to re- be remastered over, right? But they were short a number of songs that they had to give Columbia Records. So they gave them like fifty songs they wanted to throw away, <laughs> and several of them became platinum. Wow! So I mean, it's it's like you know you can never when things are about talent or happenstance. Yes, there are fixes. I mean, we got in trouble at Liberty Bell Racetrack because back in the day, when just after we got out of college, we were making our living going to the harness races. Right. And they had like an a, a, like a upper deck over the over the grandstand. Right. And there's back then you couldn't go like today you can go to go to the cashier and say I want to bet ten thousand dollars on number three, and they'll give you a ticket for ten thousand dollars. You can. But back then you had to buy two hundred fifty dollar tickets. And there's a guy with a briefcase in the line next to us who just told me. <laughs> you bring, you bring your briefcase to a horse track. <laughs> and the horse You're not going to the airport or to a business meeting. Two minutes left. The horse was 14 to 1. He went to 7 to 1. He went to 7 to 2. He went to 7 to 5. He went off of 4 to 5. <laughs> and my friends and I got in front of the uh, out on the, uh, on the patio out at Liberty Bell. Uh-huh. And a fixed race is what you call a boat race. Right. You had the entire audience, all 5,000 people there, singing, <laughs> row, row, row your boat mm. during the race. 
We got called into the secretary, the racing secretary's office. Said, you're always getting called into the office. You're impugning the integrity of the thing. I go, no, the guy who bet the horse down from 14 to 1 to 4 to 5 and three changes is the one who's impugning. And by the way, back then, of course, now if you want to, let's say you, Jake, Josh, you want to go bet a, a four horse trifecta box. You just right. go, I want one, two, three, four box. And they give you a ticket that says one, two, three, four box. Back then you had to go, one two, one two, one three, one four, yep. two one, two three, two that's, four. That's true. So, was, so what happened was we saw the stable hand of the of the driver of the harness race horse waiting in line at the ticket where you pay taxes. <laughs> and he had three tickets in his hand out of the four tickets that had this trifecta. And he had like he only threw away two low losing tickets. Wow. Mm. But I said that you know, maybe you should have him in there instead of us. <laughs> all maybe right, so, more than we do. All we know is that the race was fixed. Right. Uh -huh. So Rich's our horse racing expert. So we're gonna go to him for his guidance on the Preakness. Now, what's the day before the races is always interesting. But I'm gonna have a link to this. Truth is always stranger than fiction. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna send you guys this link right after the show. That we're gonna have it in the episode notes. Yeah. And this is the headline. The Stronish Group is conducting in conducting. I can't even say it because it's hilarious. The Stronish Group is conducting an independent investigation into relevant facts uh, regarding Medina Medina uh, Medina's positive test <laughs> in the Cold Freakness entry in Bob Baffert. My question is: Will they? Is the lead attorney Rudy Giuliani or the guy from Georgia who testified? The congressman said there wasn't an insurrection. It was just a, a normal day of tourists on January 6th that went to the Capitol. It was just a bunch of tourists. Tourists, yeah, yeah. Well, back to they're going to be leading the. He'll be leading the investigation. Back to, <laughs> back to your point, though. When you say independent, now listen. Words mean things to Coach Mike. When somebody says this Stronich family is going to have an independent advisory group, okay, stop right there. Stop. Somebody with any brains more than me, you, and Rick would say, wait, wait, wait. Did, did you say the Stronish family is sponsoring an independent investigation? No, it can't. That's not it. You can't say that in the same sentence. That's like, the funny oh, thing is, if George Soros did one percent, one tenth of one percent of everything he's accused of, he would have written all of Shakespeare's plays. He would have brought down the Roman Empire. He would have, he would have had concentration camps. He would have he would have invented the internet. He would have, I mean, all the things that he's been accused of the last four years, he's gotta be, I mean, my question is how many pairs of pants has he ruined because he was laughing so hard he pissed his pants about the things he was supposed to have done. We did right. number two, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, it, the, I laugh because the Stronish family's connected with him and they're investing in the Austrian elections. And then well, they, it, they have interesting investments, right? The, the Clinton Foundation. Well, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you realize who the president of Austria is right The president of Austria right now is a Nazi. Right. He's a lifelong Nazi, not a neo-Nazi. His father was a Nazi soldier. And he and he's taken it. This guy... This well, he's guy a Putin a, guy. He's a Putin guy. and uh, Yeah, I mean... I still love the fact that oh, Putin could lend you money and all he wants is his money back. Yeah. Same thing with John Gotti. <laughs> right. 
You know right. the guy who gives you, John Gotti gives you ten thousand dollars to make payroll. You think you only owe John Gotti the pay the, the ten thousand in the vid? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no. This is a property in Kansas for you. No, and that's right. That's why us guys being old, right, and uh, and listening to other people's opinions, you get insight because that that is true about Jason Service. Yeah, he had the two million liquid, but he might have been in a position that he could not get out of. Yeah. <laughs> well, until I mean, until it, it, came, it became too late. I'll tell you, there is one. There is one group of bets were absolutely fixed. It was, on, it was on the Breeders' Cup, and we had the stupidest crooks that have ever lived. Okay, there was a guy, these, this guy who worked for OTB in New York State figured out that on big racing days like the Kentucky Derby or the Breeders' Cup, they would only put in the pick four and the pick six races that midway through the, the betting circuit. In other words, the pick six, they would put in the, the, all the picks from New York after the third race. So what he did was he put in single, 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 the winner of the first race of the pick six, the winner of the second race of the pick six, the winner of the third race of the pick six, nobody else. And then for the last three races, he bet all. Notice, single, 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 all, all. First of all, that's crazy. <laughs> the next thing is, in, like in a pick six back then, it was $2 a bet. Now, two dollars a bet, okay, and there were fourteen horses in each race that they bet all horses. Fourteen times fourteen times fourteen times two, okay? That's how big the bet was. But he didn't make a two dollar bet. He made a twelve dollar bet. Mm. He bet the same thing six times because there were six of his friends. And they put all the bets in at the exact same time. <laughs> And there, there was a $50 horse in the first three races and a $40 horse, and then there was a $70. They collected six out of the seven tickets. It was one ticket. Yeah. I mean, as my old friends from North Carolina used to say, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. They, all have, they had plenty of time to think about that in the next 10 years in jail they were all in. And the, the hardest part was when they got their um, ticket, and got their got got their check for the thing when they took the they took the IRS piece out. Uh, the Breeders Cup people sued them not for the net amount, but for the amount they gave the IRS too. So they had to go collect, collect from the IRS saying that we committed a felony and we paid you on the felony. Yeah, yeah like they saw that money. Yeah, no, the IRS doesn't give money back. <laughs> no sir. Uh oh, we're, we're we're hurting Mike. Mike is going totally dark on us. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you said the magic phrase right there. The IRS is not going away, and they don't give money back. True <laughs> statement tonight. All well, right. I so, mean, I got, so what are we gonna do in the preakness? Look at the pre. Okay. First of all, looking at the preakness, what I would uh, like I did last week, Josh. I'll send you some pics late tomorrow. Okay. Very good. And in the preakness, there were really only three horses that had any real shot: Medina Spirit. Concert tour and Midnight Bourbon, but Midnight Bourbon is going to need a lot, a lot of luck. Now, Concert tour is the best horse, also the craziest horse. Right. Um, in horse racing, they talk about young horses 
being green. And that was a not pro. It's sort of like a, a rookie league baseball player trying to play in the big leagues. Right, right. And sometimes, sometimes horses lose their focus. And what you'll see is a horse, like, let's say, was leading, is like maybe in the two path off the rail. And he may drift a little bit, like the, the three, four, five, six path. Cosatoro mm -hmm. was making right hand turns coming down the lane. Oh, my. In two of his races, I was surprised he didn't end up in the, in the stands. That's how far he went out. <laughs> but he was so much better than, the, like, if you, and if you look at his grade two race when he won by four and a half legs in the Rebel down at Oakland, he was so far ahead that he lost 10 lengths going sideways and still won by four. Wow. And being that this is only, and I think, I think one of the reasons he didn't run in the Derby was exactly that, because in the Derby, there ain't going to be no space to, no. <laughs> to, go, to go wide. And in the Preakness, I think he was hoping there was going to be six or seven horses. Even with 10, there's space. Because there's like four or five of these horses should be in $10,000 claiming races. Uh. So Rick, did he have blinders on? Did he have blinders on? I'm sorry. Did he have the blinders on? They didn't have He didn't. Apparently, they tried it. He didn't like like blinkers. Ah, he didn't get blinkers. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that'll be something to notice to see if he has blinkers on to, on Saturday. Yeah. There's a possibility they may not tell you that until the day of the race. Okay. And, and what I would do in this race because of the fact that it's so. Risk taking will get a lot of play, but he's slow. There's also another interesting little they call them angles in horse racing. And I told Josh about it. Bob Baffert is because he has so many horses, often has two or three horses in the same race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's an angle that so many people has become so prominent that people actually talk about on TV now mm. that they didn't until last year. It's right. you bet the higher odds of a Baffert horse. Unless you're in like the Breeders' Cup, which is a $10 million race. Right. Because he wins so often. Yeah. And let's say he has one horse in at even money, another horse in at three to, a four to one. That four to one shot wins a lot more than he should. It's mm -hmm. just the way it is. Because Baffert gets played a lot more than he should get played just because he's Baffert. Right. And not only does he have great horses, but, he's, but his personality, he's not like... Todd Pletcher has all the personality of an accountant eating yogurt. <laughs> and I mean, or actually maybe a dentist who doesn't use Novocaine. <laughs> uh, he's that boring and that awful. Baffert is, when he first, when he won his first Breeders' Cup race, he was more surprised than anybody else. You think so? <laughs> yeah. But I was happy because I that paid $37 and I had him. Um, what I would suggest, if you're just if, if you're looking at that, first of all, look at all the races at Pimlico. And um, I would suggest maybe ending a pick four or pick five with the breeders with the Preakness, and using Concert Tour, Midnight Bourbon, and Medina Spirit. Mm. And because even well, everybody and their mother's going to box those horses, right? Yeah, but the thing the is, one, two, three, box. You hope, first of all, you're hoping Medina Spirit loses. Right. And remember, we said that on average, the favorite wins 20% of the time. Actually, about 32%, but that's okay. But at the <laughs> Preakness, 
over it's still, let's say that's still it's, over 68 percent of the time the, the favorite does not win so no, you want to look at, at the what's the, the second horse but at the preakness yeah. right just the preakness i'm not talking about any other race at the oh, okay if you look at the last 25 years the favorites won probably about 70 percent and now here's another interesting twist is that bob baffert before he won last week in kentucky with the in spirit he had won six um kentucky derbies all six of his horses that won the Kentucky Derby won the Preakness. Mm. And there's been there have been a lot of horses over the last 20 years that win the first two races right. and then go on. Of course, last year. Well, I, I always tell, and this is what I feel about this race. And I, and I told Coach Mike the story. And you will appreciate the story, Rick. I went out, uh, you know, it was, I owned my restaurant, maybe about year four, where I started making a little money in the restaurant. I went out with this absolutely stunning woman and I barely could talk. And I take her to this French restaurant, expensive French restaurant. And the only reason we were there was because the owner of the French restaurant used to come to my restaurant. And he used uh -huh. to say, man, you really run a tight ship. When you get done at your restaurant, because we used to close it at four, he says, get somebody to you know clean up for you and come over to my restaurant and be the manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd run everybody else, right? And I'll pay you really good. And I get paid really good. So that day I took a night off of being the manager and I took the stunning woman to the French restaurant. And my buddy, of course, is the waiter. He's coming in. He's laughing because she's so stunning and I can't talk. I'm like mumbling because this girl's so stunning until we were looking at the menu and she says, Oh, did you know that squid is a delicatessen in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> my friend be the smart. And it's funny because it is my friend, the smart Alex, smart ass, brilliant guy. He's like a brilliant scientist. What's he doing being a waiter at a high-end restaurant? Because he was getting paid more than the job as a scientist. And he, he's laughing, you know, and it's just him and his personality that this would happen with him, right? It was class. He's like, no. You mean the squid is a delicacy in Japan? <laughs> She's like, no, it's a delicatessen. So that loosened me up, right? So yeah. next thing you know, she's like, listen, we got to go to this bar and play pool. So we're at this bar in this place called um, Ybor City in Tampa. Oh, okay. And it's a Jamaican bar, da-da-da. She's playing, you know, she loses a few bucks in the beginning. Then in the middle of the night, I get an elbow right in the ribs. And I'm dancing, having a good time. Da, da, da. She's like, let's get out of here. I just hustled these Jamaicans for $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Bob Baffert is hustling me with Medina Spirit. And he wants purely for financial reasons, right? Because I have an MBA. Yeah, yeah. I have securities license. So purely for financial reasons, he wants to boost the value of he concert wants, tour. He really wants concert tour to win this race. <laughs> because concert tour is by street sense. Right. So he's worth a lot more money if he wins this race than whatever happens with Medina Spirit. So if concert uh, tour wins this place, it, it, it's going to be worth... Well, you're talking about having a restaurant. Like, you'll like this one. Just after I moved out here, and it goes with horse racing. I was driving down Ventura Boulevard. I was going out with this girl whose parents, whose parents owned um, a firm. 
and we're driving down Ventura Boulevard, and there's this restaurant. And she goes, can you believe it? This restaurant's been here since 1939. And I chuckled. And she goes, why are you laughing? I go, well, my friend's family's lived in the same house in Philly since 1690. They have upgraded the bathroom, but they're living in the same structure since 1690. So I, I guess I should be impressed by... <laughs> But um, no, so I mean, what I would do is see how you're doing. Like, okay, looking a little bit like the, uh, if you're looking at the card from Freakness, I'm looking at the pick four, pick five going into the Freakness. Right. First couple of races you can maybe miss, even though it's at 7.30 in the morning. You, if you better be serious, if you want to be there. Like, if you're looking at a racing form or even a newspaper or a program, you'll right. see uh, what they call morning line odds. Morning, yeah. Also, in the West Coast, we got to do it the day before. It's seven thirty in the morning. You wake up, start yeah. looking at the races. Yeah. And so, in the first race, usually, if a horse is a big favorite, he'll be eight to five or nine to five. That's a big favorite or morning line. Right. Well, the horse in the first race is two to five, which means you have to buy that five dollars to win two. Yeah. yeah. So, which means if when he goes off, he's going off one to nine. So. You do not want to, you don't care if you miss the first race. Unless you're going to pick him as a single and a pick, pick five, pick four. But like in Medina Spirit, you might be able, to, you know, what may, what I might, what I'm thinking about, although min, Midnight Bourbon is good to drink, but not very <laughs> good to watch race. But I mean, I might go with a fairly decent sized Midnight Spirit concert tour. Um, exact the box. I mean, obviously, you got to throw Medina Spirit in there, but that's not going to pay much. But right, yeah, the basic thing is to try to get up a little bit or try to get into a multi race bet for the for the preakness. Yeah, and, you got to look at other horses other than Medina Spirit. Okay, if you look at that race, I mean, to, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if, if Ram could beat Coach Mike home. <laughs> uh, keep in mind, keep me in mind is good if you want to cry in your beer about the girl who's leaving you. <laughs> Crowd Trey had one really fast race and then two really slow ones. So which one are we getting? The Castellanos riding them. Midnight Bourbon, Irad Ortiz wins basically everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so he's on her, and he's very, he's very consistent. He's consistently about five, five lengths faster than anyone other than Medina Spirit and Concert Tour. Huh. Ron Bauer, you might want to put on the bottom on trifectas or superfectas. This is something I've never understood. This horse, um, like Fransco de Ina, is a Japanese horse. And I have no idea why he's here. He was he was in the UAE Derby um, on the night of the $20 million race and came in sixth by 10 lengths. I'm sorry, but I don't fly that horse around the world. No. I don't spend $30,000 to bring that horse here. And then you have Unbridled Honor, who is okay, but not for this class. And, Risk-taking is slow. 
it could get any exactness or trifectas. You know, maybe, of course, let me see. One, two, three, six. Did okay. you see risk taking is slow? The horse risk taking is slow? No, the horse is slow. It is slow. Okay. It's like, if you want to bet on concert tour, you're betting on you, you, uh, Usain Bolt. If you want to bet on risk taking, you're betting on me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's me without coming after me with a needle like like for a vaccine because if you come at, like they had to chase me down to give me that first needle yeah <laughs> i can play basketball with a broken foot but you come up with me with a needle i'm gonna run yeah even this this age gotcha gotcha and i mean this also there's something else you have to remember is that the of course last year i i did love the 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 um preakness last year because that was a that was a very very easy seventy six dollar exacta to have, uh, Swiss skydiver who was the best filly in the in the world that last year, and authentic. It just, I mean, you, uh, uh, what's it called the uh, Swiss skydiver could have run Friday, the, last year in the Black Eyed Susan, which is the Phillies race for the Preakness. It's a million dollar race. She's going to win six hundred thousand dollars. They chose not to run her in that race, mm. and they raced her in the Preakness for two million, where she could pick up one point two million. So somebody yeah. they knew their horse was sharp. Yeah, yeah no, and I liked that. I, I won all those races just uh, using my conspiratorial angle in my <laughs> you know, your conspiratorial angle has every bit as much a chance of hitting as I do. <laughs> Bob Baffert spiking horses. I'm like, I know he's spiking authentic. So I'm going to bet authentic. And then Swedish Sky Driver kind of fit the mill because that the guy, the trainer, needed a win at that time. And he's a good, solid guy. So yeah, that, was, I mean, that, was a, that was a really good win. Authentic, now, uh, Coach Mike, what do you think about the race? And then we'll close with final thoughts with everybody. Well, it's interesting, Rick. You know, as you were talking, I I was thinking about this concert tour. That is a Baffert horse, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay, so concert tour, and you've got Medina Spirit. And here's here's my take on that. I would probably bet both of those horses only because knowing Baffert's history and knowing his whole modus operandi, I'm thinking that concert tour is going to end up in the money. What do you think? The thing you have to look about that is the premise of paying. I would be surprised if Medina's spirit goes off higher than three to two. I think that's. I think that might be the top end, which three means to... if you bet twenty bucks, you win thirty. You get back fifty. Yeah. So if you bet twenty on him at or any multiple of twenty, you'll you'll make thirty dollars profit. And if you bet the same twenty on concertor, it probably off of seven to two which means you'll get back 70 for your 20. so if one of those two wins and you bet 40 dollars you win 10 but you you net 10 dollars if yeah. if medina spirit wins yeah. you net like 30 dollars if concert tour um, wins yeah. and yeah. this is okay also although normally in the kentucky derby it's not a bad idea to bet across the board mm -hmm. in such a short field with so few horses that are good Betting across the board, like a, your place bet, if either Medina Spirit or Concert Tour comes in second, you're not getting $3 back hmm. for your $2 bet. Hmm. So we got Medina Spirit 12 to 1. 
Right. No, we're up, let's say 140 bucks. So I'm gonna go 20 bucks concert tour to win, and then I'm gonna box concert tour with my other 20. Because you know, I still got 80 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> okay, it's what? You're supposed to be a gambler, Josh. Oh no, no, no! I'm a, I'm a, I'm a spectator. Now, when it comes to NFL, college basketball, all that, you made a lot of profit. It's more of a business decision. This is more of give you the money. It's your money. There ain't no such thing as house money. You can go into a casino and go, oh, I need to play with house money. I'm going to take some hundred dollar chips out of the cell. Okay, so I do have one question though for Rick and I. Mentioned, okay, you mentioned Midnight Bourbon. So he is in the mix for some kind of a package of uh, one betting one, two, three, four, right? Yeah. You in there. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing is, like, if it if it comes in any, now this is, this is what's confusing to some people. Let's say Midnight Bourbon actually wins the race. Okay. He's probably going to go off at like seven to one. Right. So he's going to pay that $16. Now, at 15, now the um, uh, trifecta is paid in increments of 50 cents, okay? Okay. So if you bet a, a, a Midnight Bourbon concert tour, um, Madonna Spirit trifecta box and it comes in, it may only pay 20 bucks. Right. Yeah. So you ha- what you have to do on, on a field this short – Maybe you do a saver, like what I did, like I took Josh last week. I was never so upset about hitting $25 on a 12 to one shot than as I was last week. <laughs> because what happened was that the, the um, uh, picks that I gave Josh and I actually bet it was I had five, I hit in the pick six going into the Derby. I was live in the going into the Kentucky Derby with the five, favorites the only horse i didn't have was medina spirit and so i bet him to win as a saver right i was never so unhappy to win the kentucky derby in my life Mm. (laughs) the difference between winning 300 and 3000 kind of changes it reminds me of the time i was at the um at the mgm in vegas and we're playing let it ride let it ride is a three card game they give you three cards, and the dealer have two, two community cards, and, it, and there's odds. It pays odds. And you have to have pair of tens or better. You make three bets. Mm-hmm. You look at your cards. You can either leave your first bet out or take it back. Same thing after the, after the dealer turns up his first card, you get the same option. Well, <laughs> I was dealt ace, king, jack of spades. And it pays a 1,000 to 1 for a royal flush. So I'm up a bunch. I have $30 across the board. So I let it ride on the first card. The first card they turn up is the 10 of spades. Mm. So now I've got ace, king, jack of spades. For any spade, any place card, any queen, I win. But if the queen of spades comes up, I win 90 grand. And it was just like the movies. He goes, okay. And he pulls, he starts pulling the card up and I'm playing third base. And I can see there's all sorts of space on the card. And I'm going, okay. Then I can see the card is black. And I go, okay. And I, if this is in tenths of seconds. I can see there's a squiggly line on it. So I see there's a black queen. 
and I'm looking and I'm jumping up out of my seat and it's the queen of clubs. Queen of clubs. <laughs> and I go, ah, fuck, at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and all of a sudden the pit boss comes running to me. The two, two giant security guards come running to me. Yeah. He goes, what's going on here? And I hold my hands up like this and I go to, I said to the security guard, hey, take a look at my call cards and see what you had said when you saw the queen of clubs came up. Oh. He takes a look and he just starts cracking up. <laughs> and he, I go, just turn the cards up. And he turned the cards up. I go, it, actually, they had to stop the play because I was so bummed out about, <laughs> about not having the 90,000. The 450 I won for having a straight. Right. He left on the table and he goes, you want to leave that as a tip? <laughs> I go, no. Okay. That brought me back to earth. I, I've never been so upset about winning $450 in my life. I hear you. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is also, take a check on... Um, I pin look at all, I, take a look at one last thing. I'll let you close up, Josh. I'm sorry. No, no problem. Is that take a look um, at the at Pimlico? Go to TVG or any one of those sites and right. see if the pick six is twenty cents or or two dollars. If it's a twenty okay. cent pick six going into the going into the Preakness, let's put it this way. Give you a hint. <laughs> For hundred and twenty dollars, you get six hundred bets. <laughs> So you can pick a number of horses in every race. And since you only have three horses in the last race, do the math backwards. Right. And you, you might get a pretty nice payoff. Like last, last week, even though there were four favorites and then Medina Spirit paid um, $1,300 for two, with four favorites out of six, paid $1,300 for a 20 cent bet. <laughs> so yeah, um, no, it'll be fine. Look at that. Another thing is one last thing is the um on pick four is going into the preakness also. That's fifty cents. So you can get if you one of the fun one of the things for the people who are listening or watching. Yeah, if you're watching the if you're watching the races with like two buddies. A, a hilariously fun bet is to pick four with three, like three people. And each of you, like if the three of us were in the same place, we're watching races together. Mm -hmm. We're going to we're gonna bet to pick four. And each race, Mike, you get a horse in each race. Josh, you get a horse in each race. And I get a horse in each race. <laughs> and it costs, you know how much that costs? $13.50. Yeah. <laughs> and think of how much shit you get to give Josh when all of his horses come in last. <laughs> Whether you win or lose, you get your 1350s worth. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're about it. All right, so we will close with this. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Concert tour, right? Is Baffert going to make sure what's in the hay? And then make sure that one of these guys doesn't cough in the in concert tour face. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Barnes's Jimmy Barnes's lifetime future is on the line if it happens again. Yeah. Final thoughts, Coach Mike. Yeah, I uh, I happen to agree with Rick. I don't think anything is going to happen in this race. I think it's going to be, to use an expression, pure as a driven snow. Uh, I, I, I was pretty close. I was going to say it was virginal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. But I do think, I, one thing I like what you said, Rick, I, I think our listeners and viewers need to know this. Any kind of sports betting that we talk about, there's going to be an element of fun in it. If you, if you oh, have exactly. to, if you have some kind of hang up about fun or you think we're all goofy old guys, okay, you, you can own that. 
But you know what? When you hang out with some guys, and like if, even with guys I play golf with, I'm 69 years old. They don't expect much out of me, right? So when I beat them by five or six or eight strokes, I kind of, <laughs> I don't brag or blow. I just chuckle. I go, you didn't see that one, did you, Rick? You didn't see that. <laughs> so there's a fun element to it. And I really appreciate, Rick, your, your background, your knowledge. Uh, it really is. And I hope the listeners and viewers got that you gave us a lot of good content today. Thank you for this. Oh, you're more than welcome. I thought a fun, fun bet. If you're watching either by Zoom or you're watching with a, you know, a couple of friends over and you get some pizza or some ribs or something, here's a, way, a fun thing to do for every race. If, if you have like four or five people over, everybody bets a buck on every race, right? Right. You try to pick who's going to come in last. Picking who comes in last is far, far harder than who comes in first. Oh, yeah. And when we used to go to the track, we, we weren't rich like they being able to bet a dollar. We bet a quarter. <laughs> and we yelled more for that quarter. <laughs> yeah. And we bet yelled for any of our exactors. <laughs> but there's a really fun, although there is a second hook on it. Let's say that you have five friends, right? right. And, and you're the fourth or fifth person to get the pick. It was double if you picked the favorite to come in last. So they had to give you $2. Oh, there you go. And it, it really, I mean, you know, it, it really makes it an interesting afternoon that, you know, a, one group of friends cheering on who's going to win, and then you have the other guys cheering on who's going to lose because Jeez. you want, you, if, if you download from TVG or Express Pack $300, mean shit. <laughs> but, if you, but if you win, t if you win $10 from Josh, yeah. you don't let Josh know about that. <laughs> That's true. It's <laughs> a good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we'll, we'll close with that. And, and absolutely right. Especially a sports fan. I, I triggered like the beginning of football season and then the one o'clock, all these texts I get. <laughs> From all over the country, right? People I haven't seen in a while. They're texting me, or they're in line at the casino and they're texting me. They haven't seen me in like three years, but they know that I'm gonna give them. Who's gonna win? <laughs> or at least he's gonna cover the spread, right? Over text, and it's gonna come fast. So we always close with Winston Churchill, right? Because it's about the camaraderie, being able to. Uh, Sports betting is the only sports where it's communal, right? You're competing against everybody, the house, the casino, your buddies. And we're close to Winston Churchill. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the E and growing. It's amazing how many people listen and grow the horse racing true crime. And we gave you more of both than you could ever imagine today. Thank you for listening for the ESGC Podcast Network. That's why this one don't cost $800 and that costs $200. And I don't know what that costs, I'm just shit to work. That's why I wear good shoes and roll my butt and I get a limousine.